Hey guys, it's Mackenzie. Welcome to season two, episode two of A Few of My Friends. Years ago, I just had this idea to start a podcast, but I wasn't sure where it was going to go or what it was even going to look like. But then I just felt that teachers were sharing their stories with me, just as a friend would. Um, And that's why I started this podcast, so that people could hear their stories, maybe feel like they're not alone, maybe understand where teachers are coming from and what it's like to be in a classroom dealing with 20 children while you're dealing with infertility at home or a breakup. Kristen was one of the reasons why I started this podcast. I went to Kristen last year and said, please be on my podcast. And she just felt like she wasn't ready. And I understood that. But a few weeks ago, she texted and said she was ready. And here's her story. Kristen did an amazing job sharing her story of struggling with getting pregnant and staying pregnant and multiple miscarriages. So I am so incredibly thankful that Kristen sat down and shared this story, not just with me, but with you. Kristen, by nature, is a helper and she wants people to feel important. She wants them to feel included. She's just a ray of sunshine. And so she did this not for herself. Kristen did this for you. She did this for people who are struggling with miscarriages and staying pregnant, getting pregnant. Kristen did this for other people. She did not do this for herself. So I'm gracious, so thankful that she sat down and did this because it was hard for her. Well, usually I say, I hope you enjoy this episode, but I really hope that you learned something from this episode. Kristen was open and candid, and I hope that you were able to gain some insight, maybe for yourself, or maybe something you could pass along with someone else. All right, I am here with my friend Kristen. Kristen and I have worked together for five years, and Kristen, I knew about Kristen long before she worked at my school. Um, Her mother-in-law was my real estate agent and helped me get this house, and then her sister-in-law worked with me at another school, and so I've known Kristen, known about Kristen. You knew for, my hus- about my husband. About your husband, yeah. And then now I know Kristen, and so um, I was really excited, and then we're just friends. <laughs> um, all right, so you've been teaching for five years. This will be my fifth year. Okay. Seems like a lot longer, but it okay. Feels like a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you, what made you want to be a teacher? Um, so I've had, um, I have several teachers in my family, and I also have a lot of medical in my family. So I was kind of always on the fence. Do I want to be a teacher? Do I want to be in the medical field? Uh, so straight out of college straight up high school when I went to college, I was actually kind of pre-education and pre-med. The thought was pharmacy school, which my dad, a retired pharmacist now, 
quickly talked me out of, um, but I did some pre-education classes, some pre-med classes, did not love all the science, uh, to be honest. So um, some things happened. My grandmother had a stroke and I ended up moving back home from Dahlonega. I went to North Georgia at the time and just started taking some classes at Athens Tech and um, I started going the medical route. So I thought, okay, I want to be a nurse because I'd really love to help people, which I feel like being a nurse or a teacher, you're helping just different populations. And nursing school was really hard to get into. So I went the medical assistant route and worked in a doctor's office for two different doctor's offices for probably eight years, maybe. Uh, my timing is probably off. And then at the time, I was working at a high-risk OB, and we saw pregnant women all day or people trying to get pregnant, trying to give them a plan for what they need to do. And, you know, maybe they had some health issues and different steps to take in order to achieve pregnancy. But we also saw all the, the sad cases, all the super sick babies, um, all of that kind of stuff. So it was really hard. I was the youngest one at my office and the only one at the time not married, no kids, and I've always known I want to be a mom. And I just started thinking, you know, I don't know my purpose right now. I don't feel like I'm helping anybody. And so I decided maybe I need to look back at this education. So I decided to go back to school. So I would work all day and go to school kind of in the evening and at night. Um, I applied for the education program and got in so I eventually quit my job and decided to go back to school for teaching and then got my early childhood and special ed degree. Five years ago. Um, Four years ago? Four? Yeah. yeah. Well, a couple years. Yeah. So. so, okay. Well, that's exciting. Um, <laughs> do you think you, – do you have regrets? <laughs> um, but teaching's hard. Do you have regrets? Teaching is hard. Um, it's a lot different than I thought it was going to be. I, I don't know, and I hate to say this, that I would go back and do it again. Um, I think had I gone into the teaching program straight out of high school, that I would be in a better place. Um, I would feel more confident as a teacher. But it's been a hard couple of years uh, with COVID, mm -hmm and everything so my start to teaching has been pretty rough um but i don't really miss working at the doctor's office i love working with kids every day and having my little family at school and helping them and watching them grow but it's a lot different than i thought it would be all right so this is important to the conversation today and i don't usually ask this but how old are you i oh gosh I'm 36, so I started out way later. So all the new teachers, um, my first year when I started, were all babies right out of college, <laughs> and I'm, you know, not a baby anymore. So I decided, I think, at 30, age 30 pretty much is when I started the education program because I, I got engaged, actually, on my 30th birthday. Um, and then was like, oh, you know, I am quitting my job and going back to school. <laughs> so I was going through the education program at North Georgia um, in my early 30s. 
I mean, was that hard to be around like these young people and you're like, yes. And were I they don't, annoying? <laughs> um, some of them, yes. And nobody really realized my age because I definitely don't sound. My voice has always been a small child voice, everybody's told me. Um, but a lot of people would be surprised when they found out how old I was. They didn't realize I was a lot older than them. But um, it was fun. It was also kind of hard because I feel like the work ethic of younger mm-hmm. Um, like the younger college age kids is a lot different than my work ethic was. Um, and you know, what, what is important was a lot different. We had, we're just on different paths. So it was a little interesting, but it was very hard. And then, you know, using up savings to help pay for things and being stressed about not having a job because you're in school and not wanting to depend on people. But you, when did you get married? So I got engaged on my 30th birthday, which is actually New Year's Eve. Um, and then we got married the following October. Okay. So he was working. Yes, he was working. And then? And he's a couple years older than me, so. He's established. Yeah, he's established. <laughs> okay. Well, one of the things that... Um, the, you're really one of the reasons that I started this podcast. Oh, gosh. I'm not going to cry. Um, <laughs> Me and so I realized that, you know, people would tell me things at school and people were going through different situations. And then they would um, come into the classroom and put on this mask and smile and pretend like everything was fine. And I, I will never forget the day. It was like a fun day at school for your class or maybe and everybody was outside playing and having fun and um you know you're you're smiling and you looked at me and you said you said to me I'm having a miscarriage right now yeah that was um sorry I I told you I was gonna cry (laughs) (laughs) anybody who knows me I'm a crier um that was our inflatable day so that Mm -hmm. was the year because of COVID we could not have like our typical field days, is that right? Yeah. Um, so we had those huge inflatables outside, and I was trying trying to have so much fun with my kids because they were so excited. But, yeah, I was um, going through a miscarriage at school, so I had to kind of keep running inside to go to the bathroom and then try and come back out and put on my happy face for my kids. So, yeah, there's definitely – teachers definitely have to – put a mask on a lot of times and pretend that you don't have personal things going on because the kids don't need to know about that and you need to be there for them 100%. And I I looked at you and I was like, go home. Like we can figure this out here. I mean, I'm not in charge, but I was telling (laughs) you to go home. Like go home. Um, And our school is so supportive. That's One of the things is that our administration has always been very supportive. If you needed to go home, you could go home. Oh, yes. But, like, as the teacher, deep in your core, you felt like, I needed to be here. I needed to do this. Yeah. Um, And really, it probably kept your mind off a lot of things. Oh, yeah. It distracted me. And then, you know, if you leave abruptly, which I have had to do, your poor babies, your kids worry Mm -hmm. and so then their mind is on you like 
where's my teacher? Is she okay? And then when you come back the next day, you get a hundred questions. Are you okay? Is it something with your family? Did you go to the doctor? Were you in the hospital? I mean, they, you become this little family Mm -hmm. and you just get to where you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to upset them or worry them. Um, so it's just easier to act like everything's fun and nothing's going on. And deep inside you're dying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So how many, that's a terrible question. How many, um, miscarriages have you had? So right now, um, I have been pregnant six times. I have one precious, perfect, almost three-year-old, uh, 15 more days and she'll be three. Um, but so I've had four miscarriages and I've also had an ectopic. So, um, I, I've kind of got a long list. And you've tried all the things that you know to do because you probably come to the table with some background knowledge working in the doctor's office. Yes. Uh, I mean, this all really caught us by surprise. You know, I worked there. I saw all the horrible things. I mean, we had great things too, but you never think it's going to happen to you. You know, you just, so many people get pregnant all the time and you just think, okay, well, you know, it's easy. It's easy to get pregnant and have a baby. You never think that there's going to be something wrong. Um, But actually, our first pregnancy was um, a surprise. It was the ectopic pregnancy, and it happened before our sweet Ellie. Um, So I had had, like, a typical period. I'll try not to talk too much about (laughs) personal things. Um, but I had no idea. I had a period and then a couple weeks later I started feeling really nauseous and had all these symptoms and was like, oh my gosh. Um, I took a pregnancy test and went to the doctor because it was pregnant. It was positive. I was pregnant. Um, and I actually was on birth control. So I was panicked. So they had me come right in and they drew the labs and like, you're pregnant. And we're like, okay, this is awesome. Um, and then I had to go back a couple of days later to make sure my levels were rising. And they said, oh, it's not looking right. Um, we're thinking something's wrong. Let's do an ultrasound. So they saw it was an ectopic. Um, it was in one of my tubes, not where it was supposed to be. So I actually got my, um, Dr. Roseman, who I used to work for, I got him to do a second opinion, I guess. And he was like, I'm sorry, it's an ectopic. They said I need to go to the hospital right away um, because it can be life-threatening. And went and got a shot. And it took three, I think it was three months for my body to um, go through the process. I had to go one to two times a week to have my blood drawn and just make sure that the my body was reacting the way it should to the medicine. Um, so then after that, they're like, well, you've had an ectopic. You are at an increased risk of having more ectopics. So whenever you get pregnant, call us right away. You're going to come in as soon as you have a positive test and do blood work. So um, we waited a couple years and decided, okay, we're ready to start trying. Um, I got pregnant right away. And I feel like it was October I got pregnant, went to the doctor's office the next, within that week, did my blood work. They were like, okay, the numbers look great. 
Um, come back in two days. Numbers look great. And, you know, nine months later, we had Ellie. It was a perfect, normal pregnancy. No problems. She came the day before her due date. Um, so, we were excited not to have another ectopic since they said we could. Um, am I talking to it? <laughs> <laughs> well, describe Ellie. Like, I've known Ellie, but describe her. Like, let's give some happy. Oh, my gosh. She is perfect. She's my, she's my little shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, she loves her daddy, don't get me wrong, but she is 100% a mama's girl. Um, I've been told it's because I nursed her for so long <laughs> that that's why but um she's she's just so sweet she um is really into Peppa Pig right now and actually has been talking with an accent some this week <laughs> um some of her grandparents are on a trip and she's like are they coming back from holiday today um so that's mm-hmm. been fun but she is constantly going um she loves to sing and dance and Shaker booty, um, loves snuggling with me, and actually sleeps in the bed with us. So you know we're those parents. <laughs> we can't get get her out. Um, but yeah, she's she's everything. She's been the biggest blessing. It's been so fun because I held her right after you had her, not too long. Oh right? yeah. And so it's been fun to watch her grow, and. Like, the other day, she was talking in sentences, and I was like, wait, when did that happen? She was like... I know. I remember thinking, like, oh, my gosh, is she ever going to talk? And I actually talked to the um, speech pathologist at school, because I was like, I'm so worried. Some of her sounds don't come out right. She's not talking. And then it's like the next week, I don't know what happened. She started talking in sentences, and now she does not stop talking. (laughs) Um, And she gets really upset if you don't acknowledge her with words. Um, a lot of times we just kind of shake our head and she's like, no, no mama, you have to, you're not answering. So, um, yeah, she's going to be like driving a car next week. It feels like (laughs) time is going by so fast. Um, so yeah, she's so cute. Okay. So not long after you had Ellie, you wanted to start trying again. So we decided after, when we had Ellie, we're like, okay, we're going to wait until she's a year old and then we'll start trying again. Um, And we honestly thought, you know, it'll be no problem. We'll have another one. We we want two two kids. Uh, That's the goal. Um, So we started trying after her um, first birthday, I guess. And I got pregnant. And we went to, um, my husband actually could not go with me, I think, to this one, to my first ultrasound. And, or no, he did go with me to that one. It's all runs together. Mm -hmm. Um, But so we went, um, I had the blood work the first week. My numbers were rising. I went two days later. My numbers were still rising. And they said, okay, we'll see you at 10 weeks for your first ultrasound. So we go in at 10 weeks, and um, the ultrasound, there was a baby, but there was no heartbeat. Um, And they said that the baby had stopped growing at six weeks. So it had been a month um, of the baby still, my body clinging to it. Um, So that was our first miscarriage, was a little over a year after Ellie was born, in October of 2020. Um, So they said I could still have a miscarriage 
my body could do what it's supposed to do, but it had already been a month, so they were kind of encouraging us to move towards other steps um, because it had been a month, and my body was just kind of still clinging to this, thinking it was pregnant. I had no idea. I was still nauseous, not eating a lot. I was having all the symptoms, so had no clue that we had that we had lost a baby. So um, I, they scheduled a DNC for me. Um, this was kind of during COVID times, so Blaine wasn't even allowed to walk me in the building. So I walked in, signed myself in, um, they put me in the hospital gown, and then once they came to talk to me, I just broke down, it just all became real. And um, they let me hold my phone longer than usual so that I could talk to Blaine on the phone because he was in the parking lot. Um, and I'd never felt so alone. Um, sorry, <laughs> the doctor, she shared with me that she had had a miscarriage and, you know, that she couldn't imagine what I was going through not having anybody in there with me. Um, so she sent some nurses to come and sit with me and I mean, they were nothing but amazing. Um, and that was the first time Ellie had ever spent the night away from us because we had to be there, I think, at 6 o'clock in the morning. So she spent the night with some grandparents the night before, so that made it even harder not having her. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty quick, I guess. But the grief and pain from it just knowing what had happened didn't go away for a while and I don't think it has sorry <laughs> what time of year like I have to live life in school years okay this was the beginning of school well October um October 8th 2020 so we've been back to school for a little bit um I know I told you I was pregnant but you know none of my kids knew mm -hmm. um so I scheduled it for I think a Thursday because they didn't operate on Friday so um I missed Thursday and Friday um of school so um and then you came back to and then I came back on Monday yeah yeah which I looking back I should have taken some time but you don't feel like you can. You feel like you need to be there with your kids. And, you know, yeah, I needed to be there. And it also took my mind off of things, but I know I should have taken a few more days. But I thought, okay, I've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I can go back Monday. It's okay. Um, so, yeah. But it was not okay. Oh, no, no. <laughs> but you just put that mask up and mm. push through and do what you need for your class, for your little family at school. And so that was October. And then did you guys start trying again shortly um, we after? We waited a couple months. So that was the beginning of October. Waited a little bit. And I think the following February, we're like, okay, it's been a couple months. You know, they told me once I had one period, we could try again that, they used to say you had to wait so many, um, but they're like, you know, it's okay. You can go ahead and try when you're ready. Um, so we tried in February, got pregnant first time we tried, and um, went for the blood work like the others. Um, as soon as I had the positive pregnancy test, went 
two days out of a week and they're like, oh yeah, things are looking great. We'll see you at 10 weeks. Um, so that is the one that I, well, one of the miscarriages I had at school. So I lost that baby um, around seven weeks. We had never had an ultrasound, um, but that was the day of the inflatables you were talking about. Um, I think the that morning I had started spotting and was having a little bit of cramping and just thought, you know, this happens a lot. A lot of people have spotting in their pregnancy. Things are going to be good. We've been praying about this and it's going to be okay. Um, but so I lost that one. It started at school and then as soon as the school day was over, I went home and, you know, things kept happening. So um, that was March of 2021, and then we waited a couple more weeks, um, and, you know, at, at the point, at the time, we had had two miscarriages, so the ectopic and the miscarriages, they say, were totally unrelated, like, the ectopic was just kind of a fluke almost, and they were saying the miscarriages were too, because we had a perfect baby, we had a pregnancy, everything went well, so they couldn't really give us any answers, but we hadn't taken any steps to find out answers, blood work. Um, so the thing is, when you have a miscarriage, they don't push for testing or looking into it until you've had three. So um, they call it recurrent loss once you've had three miscarriages in a row. Um, so let's see, we lost that one March. And then that summer was like, okay, it's summertime. There's not the stress of school. There's not the just typical stress of work. Um, maybe this is the right time. Let's try for another baby. Um, so we tried, got pregnant right away, and went and did the blood work like all the others. Blood work was fine and great. They said, we will see you at 10 weeks for your ultrasound. Um, and to do genetic testing blood work um, just to see like risk of Down syndrome and different things, um, which I had done with Ellie. Because of working at Dr. Roseman's office, I know so much. And if there was something they could find, I wanted to be able to educate myself and be prepared for when the baby arrived. Um, so it just helped ease my anxiety to have that blood work. Um, so, um, we went in at 10 weeks for the ultrasound. It was four days after Ellie turned two. We had just had her birthday party and I went feeling great at her birthday party, middle of the summer outside. And I remember talking to you and some friends um, about how I was feeling and being excited for the ultrasound. Um, so, oh, actually wait, we had had an ultrasound at six weeks a confirmation and we saw the baby moving around we saw the heartbeat um, everything was looking great so we were so very optimistic and then they said we'll have you come back at 10 weeks um, just to check again and to do this blood work so um, we went in and before they do the blood they said let's go um, take a look so they did the ultrasound and as soon as it was on the screen I could tell that there was no heartbeat so um, the baby had stopped growing within a few days probably of our ultrasound at six weeks. So I was supposed to be 10 weeks. 
but the baby hadn't grown since six weeks. And um, so once again, the baby had been there for a month and I had all the pregnancy symptoms. I had no idea, no spotting, no cramping, nothing. So I had no idea that um, we had lost another one. So they started talking and I said, I, I can't do a DNC again. And they said, well, we really think you need to do a DNC or take some medication to help move the process along, which neither is ideal. You don't want to do either. But I was also worried. It's been a month. How long is this going to take for my body to realize, hey, you're not pregnant? Um, and school was starting the next week. So we had pre-planning and I'm it was a stressful year. They had renovated the school. We had no furniture. We were getting a brand new principal. Um, everything was changing. So I remember telling Blaine, you know, school's starting next week. Like, I, this has to be, we have to move through this so that I'm ready for school. I got to be ready for my class. I can't be running out of my classroom the first week of having babies. Um, because I'm losing a personal baby. Um, so I said, you know, I think I'll do the medication. And they didn't give me any warning. Um, they just said it'll take a couple hours for things to start going. Um, I had no idea what to expect. So I, Ellie went to another set of grandparents, I think, because I was worried as to what it was going to be. Um, but I told my husband, no, oh, go to work. It'll be fine. Um, so the morning after going to the doctor, I woke up and was, I felt like I was starting to have a period. Um, but I took the medication and it was worse than childbirth. I have never experienced the pain that I did during that. Um, my best friend from college actually was texting all day and was like, I wish I was there. She lives in Nashville. So so far away um but i remember telling her and i didn't have an epidural with ellie i had all natural childbirth i remember telling her like this is worse than childbirth and after it's all said and done i'm still not gonna have a baby i'm just going to have more loss and just this the void is getting bigger and bigger because that was my third miscarriage at that time. Um, so I remember Blaine calling and checking on me and I was in so much pain. I couldn't get the words out. I couldn't talk to him. So he left work and came home right away. And it was a lot for him. So I remember just telling him to go in the other room. You know, I'll be okay. Because it was hard enough me going through it, but I didn't want to put him through it too, having to see me in so much pain and having to deal with all of it. It's, it's hard for him to go through some of that. And I mean, I want to protect him, I guess, and just be strong and be like, I, I can do it. I mean, he came and held my hand a lot, but I knew it was hard for him and he doesn't open up and talk about things. So I just told him to go in the other room. Um, so I, that process took, 
probably 12 hours. I'm not really sure, but I pretty much stayed in bed for a couple days. Um, so that was right before school started. And then, you know, I'd already told some people through all of these, I told people I was pregnant because I was so excited. And, you know, I don't want to, I, I didn't want to hide it. I wanted to be excited because you need a support system. You need, you need your family, you need your friends, and you need to be surrounded by people that love you and understand you. And I needed people to hold me up when I kept getting beaten down. And if I hadn't told anybody I was pregnant again, then I wouldn't have anybody to check on me. I wouldn't have people texting, um, reaching out um, during the good times, the bad times. Um, so, yeah, that was the third one. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at this point, like, do you feel like a failure? Oh, for sure. Um, so I felt like such a failure. I just felt lost and embarrassed. Um, I remember, I don't know who I talked to, but just saying, like, am I crazy to keep doing this? Because I felt like I was letting down all my friends and family. I felt like I kept, oh yeah, we're pregnant again. And then everybody's all excited. And then within two months, it's like, oh, well, we're having another miscarriage. And I got to the point where I couldn't even make those phone calls or send the text message. Um, I, I think I even asked you at one point, can you please let you know, so-and-so, let these people know at school because it's hard to keep saying the same thing. It's hard to keep sharing, oh, we've lost another one. And then you have to, you have to tell your parents. And, you know, I have two sets of parents and Blaine has a set. And then we have siblings and grandparents. And, you know, I wanted people to know that we were pregnant because I wanted people praying for us. I wanted people on our side. Um, but yeah, I felt like a failure, um, like my body's broken. I still do, I guess. Um, I was embarrassed and just felt lost. And, but I did have an appreciation for myself and my body. Like my body never stopped doing its job. It tried its hardest to grow and protect. All these babies. Um, so I am thankful because those babies never knew pain. They only knew love. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, ha- I feel defeated. I still feel defeated. Um, after that, that one around Ellie's birthday, we had reached lucky number three, I guess. Um, so once you've reached the third, they decide, oh, we can do some testing. So I did testing with my doctors in Athens and they were like, oh, everything's normal. They did some testing with Blaine as well. And they're like, oh, everything's fine. We don't really understand. And at that point I had gone to the same room for I mean, the great news with Ellie too, but the same ultrasound room and the same ultrasound tech had done, or sonographer, 
she told me the ectopic. She told me about the miscarriages, um, all three of them. And one of those, Blaine wasn't able to come, and my mom had gone with me. And I remember her being so excited to see that ultrasound. And then as soon as it came up on the screen, I knew it wasn't okay because I had seen it. Um, but my mom hadn't seen it. And so I felt so bad that she was there, so excited to see another grandbaby. And then she had to be there when I got the news that it was another miscarriage. So at that time, I told Blaine, you know, I'm ready to, nothing against my doctors. I loved my midwives. I loved everybody there. But it was just too much bad. I'm like, I need to change the scenery. So we decided um, to go up to um, Brazelton because it's kind of closer to our house and get a new doctor there. Um, so they did a whole panel of blood work um, in addition to what I'd already done. And they said, you know, we just think these have been a fluke. You, we know you can do it. You have a perfect baby. You had a normal pregnancy. Um, you can do this. So go ahead and try again. We made a plan to for me to start taking baby aspirin every day um, and then to take progesterone once I got pregnant. And hopefully both of those would help hold the baby because I can get pregnant. I just could, can't stay pregnant. Um, so May of this year, we had, you know, a consult. No, that was May of last year. Anyway, we decided to go ahead and try again. So I guess it was um, May of this year. I just said May of this year. Sorry. We decided to try again. I got pregnant right away. Um, and we did not go in for, um, we didn't make it to the ultrasound mark. We were on spring break on a trip and I started spotting and totally panicked. And my daughter was panicking at the same time. So my poor husband was like, what is wrong? You need to, you know, take a minute and we got to deal with her. And I'm like, but I'm losing another pregnancy. And he's like, you're jumping the gun. And so I remember we were up on a mountain. We had to drive down to Dollar General to get supplies. Cause I'm like, I had nothing. I, I was hopeful that this pregnancy was going to go the way it should. Um, but so then it just increased and we hadn't told anybody we were pregnant, but we were with my dad and stepmom and brother and sister-in-law. So we told them that, you know, I was spotting and pregnant and thought I was miscarrying again, but just hope for the best. So went for an ultrasound the next week and they were like, we're so sorry, but there is no, the baby's measure in like six weeks. There's no growth. Went back the following week to check again and it was the same. So that one I miscarried on Easter of this year. Um, so, and that was, we were with some family and they didn't know I was pregnant. And I know I was short and with my comments and I, I was just in pain and trying to hide it because it's hard to keep sharing that. And then, I don't know, you can't stay home because then it's like, well, where, where's Kristen? Why is she not here? Um, so just trying to be everywhere you need to be and have a happy face and 
also it was my daughter's Easter having being excited for her and it's it's hard to hide that sometimes but a lot of times you do you have to like set it aside so that you can be a good mom and you can be a good wife and daughter and sister and friend and teacher you have to kind of almost push it back and then you don't really process it or grieve until it just all comes out one day and I don't know and I'm just we can cut this out right here but I know that Ellie's three and so you were pregnant at the same time with some other girls at our school and they've um, gotten pregnant and had kids and you've known lots of people around you that have gotten pregnant and I I don't know if I was at your house I don't know where this happened but it was right after the last one um maybe we were on the phone and you were gathering gifts to go to baby showers you were going to three baby showers yeah and you were going through your miscarriage your fourth miscarriage at this point right Mm -hmm. and so I was like don't go don't go like you don't have to give them anything (laughs) You, (laughs) you know but like you are just so resilient and you just keep going and even you know when everything is crumbling like you don't stop Um, well thank you (laughs) and you you smile through the pain and I just I you know I look at you as a a friend and think I don't know how she's doing this like I don't know how you keep going it's hard because with Ellie I was pregnant with two other teachers and our due dates were all kind of like a week apart staggered in three weeks and then one of us another girl we actually were at the hospital at the same time she was put into the hospital um, to be induced and monitored. And then I ended up going later that night and I delivered Ellie before she delivered and her <laughs> sleep boy came the next day. Um, but so I tried to talk both of them in like a year later. I'm like, okay, let's get pregnant again. Let's do it again. Cause we clung to each other and during our pregnancies and then early mom life, we talked all the time. Um, and one of them was like, no, I'm not ready. And the other was like, I mean, okay, let's do this. So we were pregnant at the same time. And then I lost, lost it. And then, you know, she kept going and has a beautiful little boy. And then the other friend, she just delivered her daughter. And I'm so excited for them. I've had so many friends have babies. I mean, friends at school. Um, cause all of my friends, their babies are, they started way before I did. Mm. Um, so their babies are kind of grown. Um, some of them are having babies now, but we were, you know, our paths are a little different. The timing is different, but it definitely is hard to be there. Um, and see, it's hard. Um, but it doesn't take away my excitement for them. I mean, I'm so excited. But it's, I don't think, I don't think I could not go because then I would feel just like a horrible person and I want to support my friends and be so excited. Um, but it's definitely tough. Um, it's tough finding out people 
are pregnant when, you know, you didn't know that they were trying to get pregnant. And you're sitting here trying and you keep failing. Um, so, but, yeah. All right. So, what's next? <laughs> like, we have hope. What is next for um, Kristen? Yes, we have hope. Um, I feel, I feel very selfish to want another child so much. Um, but, you know, our thoughts have just always been too. And Ellie is just so perfect. And it's so hard. We play with, um, a little friend that was in her class and she has a little sister and we come home and she's like, mommy, I want a sister. Mommy, can I have a baby? Um, so she asks all the time right now. She's obsessed with baby dolls. All the baby dolls have diapers. All the baby dolls right now are getting milk. Um, yesterday we played with um, a teacher from school. Her little boy, they're the same age, and she's got a precious new baby. Um, so last night she was sitting there telling me, Mommy, I got a baby in my belly. You want to see? Her name is Baby Kendall, which was the name of the little baby we were with. And she was like, I'm being Miss Lindsay. I'm, I'm pretending to be Landon's mommy. I'm like, well, she doesn't have a baby in her belly anymore. <laughs> the baby's here. Um, but so we're, we're not giving up yet. Um, we have just finished so much lab work. I went in May and had a procedure done. It's my second where they looked at my uterus to the first one they did, I guess, last year. Um, looked at my tubes to make sure there's no scar tissue and that they're good and my tubes look fine. This year, they looked at my uterus to make sure there's no abnormalities and they said everything was fine. Um, I think they drew 14 tubes of blood on me and I have no idea how many on Blaine. He said he didn't look, um, but he went and had all the blood work done too. Um, and he had some other things done that I, yeah. Um... And then we both had a genetic carrier screening done. So we have gotten all of the results back. We haven't had, well, my genetic carrier screening's not back. It's back, but I can't see it for two weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah, nobody's anxious or upset about that. But um, we found out he is a carrier for cystic fibrosis and also galactosemia um, out of the 502 things they tested. So... If I am a carrier of those, then there's an increased risk that we send that to a child or our child might be a carrier. So we're hoping some of this will give us answers. Um, before we did all this blood work, they said our next step is IVF because I am 36 and my ovarian reserve levels, which is your eggs, is very low. He said, I think it's four times lower than it should be at my age. So I don't have a lot of eggs left. Um, the ones I do, he basically told me they're bad eggs. That if they were in your refrigerator, you would throw them out. Um, he did not agree bedside <laughs> manner. Um, but so he is saying IVF is the next choice, next path for us. But we wanted all this blood work to see if there's some more answers. But I don't think we're quite ready to give up. Um... I'm also, I'm okay, I'm okay if we don't have any more. You know, Ellie is everything. And we give her all of our love and attention, everything we can to her. So I'm, almost, I'm trying to accept the fact that maybe 
there aren't more kids in our path and that's okay. Um, I just got to convince Ellie that it's okay. Um, <laughs> but I'm hoping that we maybe just get surprised one day um, and it happens. But I don't know. We're going to just keep pushing forward. All right, so in two weeks you meet with the doctor and you'll go over your... We'll go over all the typical... Everything. Like they checked my thyroid. They checked all the things. Um, he did a super extended panel. Um, so he's going to go over all of that in 11 days. You know, I'm not counting down <laughs> or anything. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm hoping... I, I feel like there's an answer somewhere as to why things keep happening. Maybe there's not, but I'm hoping to better understand. Um, I, I feel like I feel, I feel like my body is failing. Um, me and my family, which I know he would never say, my husband would never say that, but so yeah, um, two weeks and we will see. But you said that your body is protecting. Yes. And so that's, that's what we have to Yes. Hope and think, right? Yes. Um, all right. So I'm excited to see what happens in two weeks. I'm sorry for all the tears. Oh no, my gosh. I mean, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but you know me. You know I cry all the time. <laughs> um, that's why we're friends. Like, I do. Um, I mean, it has really been an honor to, like, walk through this with you, even though it's been sad and, like, bitter. Um, just the fact that, like, you're, like, I'm pregnant. And, like, I immediately start praying. And, like, you don't know, but I reach out to another coworker and I tell her instantly, <laughs> too. And I'm, like, pray. I can guess who. <laughs> and so I'm, like, you know, pray. And so um, there are people praying for you. Thank you. Constantly. And, you know, we walk through this with you because, you know, we love you. But also, like, we want... We want what you want. Like, if you wanted a new dog, we'd, <laughs> we'd celebrate that, too. Or a new car, whatever. But um, this, is, this is a lot. And so, I want you to know you're not alone. And I think that, um, you know, you have to have that support system. And I think that you've built that around you. Yeah, support um, is key, for sure. And so, I like to end this with, um, like, a tip or... Something you like, but first, um, when you came in today, it's so funny because we were both on Facebook scrolling and um, you came in and you read this poem to me and I was like, oh, I read that today too. And then we figured out we have a mutual friend on Facebook that like we didn't realize. Yeah. And I was that's like, crazy. I read that. I read that. This. Yeah. And so um, I want you to share that because I think it is. It's good. Like, yeah. for anybody. It, it spoke to me this morning, and I screenshotted it. I'm going to save it. So thanks, Emily, one of my mentor teachers <laughs> in student teaching that Mackenzie also knows. Crazy. But she uh, said... Because we went to school together. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, so it, she posted and said, for anyone who might need this today. So it's called Rain. You don't have to be positive. You don't have to feel guilty about fear or sadness or anger. You don't stop the rain by telling it to stop. Sometimes you just have to let it pour, let it soak you to your skin. It never rains forever. And know that however wet you get, 
You are not the rain. You are not the bad feelings in your head. You are the person experiencing the storm. The storm may knock you off your feet, but you will stand again. Hold on. And I really, I feel like I've been under a gray cloud. And it's funny, the song my grandmother sang to me growing up. The song I walked down the aisle to. The song I sing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> to Ellie when she was in my belly. We called her Ellie Belly for a while. Um, and all the other babies I've seen too. But And I sang it to Ellie last night. You are my sunshine. Because she is my sunshine when I feel like I've been in a dark cloud. So I just... I read that today, and it was something I needed mm-hmm. to hear. So There is light. There is light, yes. There is the, the sun is coming. The sun is here. Um, well, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, <laughs> and I always end with, like, asking what is the tip, a strategy. You know, I have my teacher bag. Um, what is something that you... I don't think you're going to like my answer. <laughs> Everybody always says that. And I'm like, So no. I've been thinking about this because I've listened to every episode you've um, posted, which you need to post some more. <laughs> um, wait a while on this one, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't... What I could come up with trumps everything I have in my classroom or all of my tools, but it's your people. <laughs> I can't look at you. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I like this. You way. are one of my people. You have to have that support system. I mean, not just as a teacher in life. You have to have your group of people that are going to be there for the good, the bad, the ugly, the funny, the all of it. Um, I it's been up and down since I've been a teacher. I mean, my first year I got pregnant, the next year I started late on maternity leave, then COVID hit, then renovation, admin changes. I mean, it's it's just been a journey. And without a support system, like a good team of teachers, love my first grade team. Um, there's so many people at Holson Mech that are my family. And without your family, your support system, I mean, you're not going to make it. So my thing is not a thing. It's just a group of people. I mean, you got to have, you can't do it all yourself. You can't get through life without having your people. So my thing are my people. No, I think is that that's okay? perfect. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and you know, I, and tissues. That, I, yeah, I, I tissues always back. have tissues. <laughs> um, I, you know, thought of that question a long time ago. And then as I interviewed people, and their responses, I was like, this was the dumbest question, but also some of the deepest responses have come back. And no, I love it, because I've asked you about the teacher bag, <laughs> and I bought the teacher bag. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm your support system, your people. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yes. All right. Thank you. <laughs> but, no, really, I appreciate you. Um. I asked, you were one of the first people I asked to do this. I know, and, you and I like, put it no, off a long no, time. I'm no. sorry. And um, finally, one day you text me and you're like, I'm ready. And I was like, oh, oh no. And, and I, I like 
tried to gather my thoughts and I wrote a lot of stuff down and I haven't even looked at it really. Like there's so much I could say. Well, but I hope talking about my experience can help other people. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. Um it miscarriage is something people don't talk about. It's one of those things that you don't discuss and I don't understand why because I mean in life there's a lot of pain and in order to have you you've got to feel it all. You've got to you go through all the emotions um but miscarriage is something real it happens uh one in four pregnancies it happens um it's something i mean there's so many people around you that have probably had one and you don't even know it because for some reason people don't talk about it and it helps to talk about it so thanks for letting me talk and cry (laughs) (laughs) anytime all right thank you kristen Hi friends, it's Kristen. Um, just had a few statistics to share with you. One in four pregnancies ends in loss. I am one in four. About 15% of pregnant women experience sporadic loss of recognized pregnancy. 2% of women have two consecutive losses and you can't even call it recurrent losses until you've lost three. So 1% of women have three consecutive losses. After one miscarriage, the chance of having a second miscarriage is about 14 to 21%. After two miscarriages, the rate increases to 24 to 29% chance of having a miscarriage. And after three miscarriages, the rate increases to 31 to 33% of miscarriages. So there's probably many people around you that are going through this or have experienced this. Maybe some people don't feel comfortable talking about it just yet, Um, but I just wanted to share a couple of things that have helped me and have helped other people that I know that have gone through this because it's hard to know what to do when somebody is experiencing loss of a baby. One thing you can do is share comfort food. Take them something. I remember Mackenzie offered to bring me ice cream, um, Dairy Queen, I don't know how many times. And I was, I probably turned her down every time because I'd hate for somebody to have to do that. But sharing comfort food or um, just bringing them Chick-fil-A or just anything, offering to get groceries or comfort food. And have an open ear. Just listen and give them lots of love. And one thing to know is words usually don't bring comfort. Um, it's, don't take it personally. I, it's hard to know the right thing to say, but one thing not to say is it wasn't meant to be, or at least you can still, at least you can get pregnant. Um, you have to understand that words that you say can't help, and you just have to be okay with that. It's, it's better to just be a listening ear and just say, I'm so sorry. How can I support you? What can I do? Um, and also, do not take anything personally. People need time and space. If they don't call you back or text you back or maybe see you in the hallway and run the other way, uh, don't take it personally. They just need time and space. They're not trying to ignore you. 
It's just they're having a moment. Um, one thing Mackenzie was for me was a messenger. And you might need to be a messenger if they need you to be. It's hard to keep sharing the news over and over. It's equally as hard if you forget to tell someone and then they ask you how you were feeling and when the due date is and you realize, oh, I forgot to share the news. Um, that happened to me this last time. I had shared the news with a neighbor that I was expecting and a couple months later she texted wanting to know how I was feeling and I had to share the news that we had lost the pregnancy. Um, and one last thing, when, when you have this and you share it and somebody says, well, it's very common, it happens all the time, I know it comes from a good place trying to make you feel better. They're trying to comfort you and show you love and be supportive, but it's unhelpful and it can be hurtful. Not that people are trying to be insensitive, but that's the way it feels when you are in the shoes of going through a loss when that is your journey at the time. Um, something I thought about, if somebody you know loses one of their parents, you don't go to that person and say, well, at least you still have your other parent. And that's something I've heard a lot. I've heard, well, at least you have a daughter. You know, why should you, it's okay. At least you have a daughter. We know you can get pregnant. You don't, you don't tell somebody, well, at least you still have a parent even though you lost one. You tell them how sorry you are. That is awful and you cannot imagine what you're going through. You understand that they have unimaginable loss. You embrace them and you realize that their life has changed and you just understand that that person can never be replaced. And that's the same with a miscarriage. Even though my babies were not born um, on this side, I know that they, I mean, they were loved. They're still a part of me. I will never not think about them. Um, and that experience has changed me, but I will never wonder what if, what would their names be? Would it be a boy or a girl? What would they grow up to be and accomplish? Um, so just no, it's, it's really difficult when you have somebody going through this, but just try and be a listening ear and give them lots of love and grace and um, ask them what they need from you instead of pushing what you think is best because um, it's hard to be in these shoes and have everybody reaching out to you, it, but there's not much that will help other than just being a listening ear and someone to love them, so.